Hello and welcome to the Camping Crew Podcast with Chris and Aaron. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 98 of the Camping Crew Podcast. I'm Aaron Burchill. And I'm Chris Byrne. As always, it's meant to be a fun podcast. We're just enthusiasts and what we discuss on the podcast are just our own personal views. But we do look into some of the topics and subjects that you do ask us to look into. Yeah, and if you want to support us on the podcast and if you can afford to, you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash the camping crew. And we want to say a big thank you to Liam Kelly for his um, support this week. We normally kick off with some news, but they say no news is good news. So let's go straight to listeners' messages and shout-outs. What have we got to kick off with today, Chris? Yeah, we, we just want to send out another reminder for potentially our live Q&A chat uh, for our 100th episode coming up. So that's uh, in a few weeks' time. So if you're interested in joining us um, on, we'll be on Google Meet or Zoom or something like that, we'll have a chat and we can fire some questions back and forth. Uh, I think it'd be an interesting one. Um, to get some of the listeners involved as well. So if you're interested, drop us an email to campingcrewpodcast at gmail.com and we'll put you on the list for that. Um, I haven't really pushed it on social media yet, so I'll start doing that this week. But if you want to get in on the list, because um, numbers will be limited on that, we'd appreciate you letting us know as soon as possible so we can plan it. And if it's anything like the meetup in Kilkenny, that's going to be a great night. Now, we have um, Geraldine was on looking for a little bit of advice, if we can give it to her. Yeah, so uh, Geraldine is based in the Sligo direction and she has a, a a number of kind of, I suppose, what would you describe, Martin, the superficial cracks uh, along the bumper uh, and in other areas like the sink and the inside of the door. She's looking if anybody knows any good garage or place that might repair some of those uh, for her. Now, I know she's looking at some options herself, but, she, you know, she put out a message to say if um, if anybody has some suggestions to help that would be great. She also has um, some cabinets that are actually faded and wondering, is there any tips for restoring those? Have you ever done any jobs like that, Aaron? Not the faded cabinets. Um, recently, I tore the bumper off the back of the Heimer when I was moving it in and out of the shed. But in fairness, I sent it up to Daisha Caravan and Camping here in Carrigan Shore while they're just on the Waterford border. And he did a fantastic repair job. So I think most garages or panel beaters will have somebody who can do fiberglass. So I wouldn't worry too much about the bumpers and even the crack on the inside of the door. They can be filled with a glue or a fiberglass and rubbed down. And I think the faded cabinets, it's possibly something maybe if she wants to take on herself or a painter and decorator will rub them down, sand them down and just re-varnish them. It wasn't from damp and it's not dry rot or anything. It is literally just faded from, from years of use. So there are no big jobs, like you said. So if there is somebody up around a Sligo kind of region, she's prepared to travel a little bit, especially when the quarantine restrictions are lifted. But any decent panel beater worked his salt even an apprentice could do the little bits because she did send us photographs and they there's they are as you said superficial so yeah any decent panel beater anybody who's good with fiberglass could fix that for her and i think the inside of the door even though it's plastic could be fixed with a bit of fiberglass or a good a good dab of glue and sand it down yeah and i have a couple of hairline cracks in my sink as well so i picked up um a product called captain tolly's creeping crack penetrating sealant so i have to get out at the weekend now and try and just um use that basically it's it's a, like a glue that you pour and it kind of seeps and bonds up a crack now it's only for 
very, very, very fine cracks. You know, there's a certain there's a certain tolerance uh, on what it will do. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly something to, to look at. That's Captain Tolly's Creeping Crack Penetrating Sealant. It's called, I haven't used it, so I don't know how good it is. So I'll probably mention it and give it a, a review or a chat in a future podcast if it's successful. There's a couple of products like that as well, but usually hairline fra- fractures or cracks are no good for it. You kind of have to get in with a file or a Stanley and make the crack worse. So it will then flow in and create a seal. And I do remember when we bought the tag axle Heimer, the sink was leaking. And when I took up the drain, it was all cracked and broken. But what I did then, I actually went to Minute Motorhomes and bought a bigger um, stopper and put in a bigger stopper into that small hole and sealed around that with a compound. But that stuff you have, have you read on the directions yet? You haven't bothered looking at it yet. Do you have to, as I say, some of them you have to scoop to crack out just a little bit bigger for this to take a bit of a, a bit of a grip? No, no, this is, you just use it straight on as long as it's clean and dry, you put mm-hmm. it straight on. But again, it's only for really fine, like this, is, if it gets to, if it's a certain size, it, it may not work. And sometimes they say you might have to do you leave it, you put it in, leave it overnight, and then you might need another couple of runs at it, so it builds yeah. up. But you're saying they're just literally hairline, they're not leaking cracks, they're yeah, just literally... You can barely see them, I just know they're yeah. there, because I can see the drops coming down underneath, like, you you, you know, unless you use a magnifying glass, they're, they're kind of hard to see, you know? Right, well, let us know how that gets on, and of course, now that we're not out camping, now is the time, because the season will be starting, hopefully very, very soon, within the next six or eight weeks, start getting those little jobs done, but getting back to Geraldine, anybody up there, any of our listeners, if you know anybody, maybe you could help her out in the Sligo area, give you the contact details at the end of the podcast, you give us a shout, and we'll let Geraldine know where you are. We got a a nice email yesterday from Robbie, Uh, he's a question just about buying from dealers, Um, so I'll read the message. Yeah, we, we can have a chat. He says, hi, guys, just recently came across your podcasts and I'm enjoying going through them. I'm trying to get to grips with buying our first motorhome. I would appreciate any information help on the same. Searching dealers in Ireland shows limited stock and I don't feel educated enough to buy privately. Are there any major snags with buying from dealers? Stocks and prices seem better. We rented a motorhome last October from Cara and really enjoyed it. Any direction would be appreciated kind regards so that's probably a very relevant question now uh, given all the chat and conversations going on in in the Mm -hmm. different facebook and twitter groups aaron yeah actually what you said there is there any major snags on buying from abroad from dealers the big thing about buying out of this country is tax vrt vat and any other acronym that the government can throw at you to make a few bob i literally got an email this morning about a chap who commented on the charlie me video he's thinking of importing an ambulance from france uh, mainly because it'll be left-hand drive and he hopes to use the van when converted mainly in europe but when i pointed out the vrt and the vat and then the resale vrt he said you know what give me the contact details where you bought your ambulance so Buying abroad, bear in mind, yes, it might sound great in euro, but there is VAT at 20-odd percent. There is VRT at 13.3% as well. It may not be as cheap as you think it's going to be. And yes, it's limited stock in Ireland. In fact, again, I deal with Pat Horan. He's getting the vans in Monday. Most of them are gone by Monday evening. He's even buying in stock on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And we're talking new and secondhand stock. You're just going to have to basically just grin and bear it and keep searching and do your best. And for those of you thinking of buying conversions, buying vans, 
they come on done dealer on a garage forecourt on Monday. They're gone by Monday lunchtime. So really, if you see one and the deal sounds good, get out and do something about it. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of buying from abroad. I think if you're going to do that, you really need to know what you're doing. Um, uh, you have some sort of a mechanical mind as well that you can you can inspect the engine. Like you can get some really, really good deals and it might make up the difference. But if you're out and you just don't know what you're getting, you don't know if it's a good deal. So that's very much for the, uh, uh, to, to use Robbie's term, for the educated. Um, yeah. We have an interview uh, a good few episodes back with Pat Butler and Waterford. And what Pat does is she goes out and will get a motorhome for you. So she'll have it inspected and bring it back. Um, you know, there'll be a, a small fee involved in that. So that's one possible option. If you want to look abroad, get somebody professional to do it for you. You know, as with everything, there are costs, but there are plenty of dealers. I think it's got to be about persistence, you know, building up a relationship with a trustworthy dealer. So, you know, when they find a motorhome that they actually give you a call first. Um, mm-hmm. You can imagine there's probably lots of people. I would say even when lockdown is over, start calling to dealers, start getting to know your face, and then yeah. they'll probably put you on the list when they come in. And they are you know, going to come in when lockdown is over because there's a lot of people bought last year and even are buying this year that, uh, you know, of the 100% that bought, a very small percentage are going to stay at it long term because let's face it, motorhoming is not for everybody. He might like it, she might not, or the kids like might like it or might not like it. So there are going to be a lot of good vans for sale. And yes, I know you said you're not, you don't feel educated enough to buy privately, and rightly so, because there's a lot of crap out there at stupid money, and people just want to buy. So do your homework. Bring a mechanic with you. We've also got a video up on Charlie and me pointing out things to look out for if you did want to go and look at one or two motorhomes yourself because it's not time wasted. In fact, it could be lessons learned. So go onto our YouTube channel and just go to the info info tab and you'll see there's videos there on different information videos as opposed to campsite reviews. Take your time, Robbie. Don't let that money burn a hole in your pocket. If you can bring a mechanic, do so. But yes, somebody like Pat Butler, who will do all the research for you. Yes, there's a fee, but I reckon it'll be an awful lot cheaper than going out and getting it yourself, especially if you buy bad. Yeah, and look, do your research if you're going to buy from dealers, do your research on the dealers as well, because there are some dodgy dealers uh, mm-hmm. out there as well. But now for the most part, you know, any of the ones, any of the bigger dealers out there, you know, they all trade on their reputation, you know, they stand by their reputation. So for the most part, um, the dealers in Ireland are really, really good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I said, do your research, ask somebody uh, in the know if you're thinking of doing them. You know, I would say if you're going to dealers, you would should uh, check those vans out fully as well, um, just to make sure that, oh, yeah. you know, and make sure you have some comeback and warranty and cover uh, and all of that as well. It's really important just because there are going to be snags, you know, there are going to be things which will go wrong in the first week or two. It happens with everything, but just make sure you do have some comeback um, to do it. And, you know, obviously check the, the history, do a history check on it as well. Just make sure that it's got your its, homework. It's test and everything is passed and tax and everything is in order. Yeah, it should yeah. go well. Look, we wish you the best. It's not easy at the moment. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be looking for a, a motorhome uh, no. at the moment. It's, it's just going to be crazy. If you can, maybe consider renting again this year and waiting for restrictions to be lifted. Things would probably settle down a bit more. There might be more 
when people can go on foreign holidays again, there might be more camper vans and motorhomes, you know, on the market uh, as well. Like, you know, and maybe consider some of the dealers that do conversions as well. You know, yeah. they might get you a van and they might do a conversion for you. Yeah, they, they can work around your budget. And speaking of places getting busy, I'm reading on Facebook groups and on Twitter, campsites are filling up very, very fast for July, August and September. There was a lady on one of our national radio stations only yesterday and she rang 60 campsites and 57 were not taking bookings for July, August or September. Not that they weren't, they couldn't, they were full and some of them weren't even running on limited numbers. So guys, if you don't have things booked now, you're going to be staying in an awful lot of car parks parked around churches in Ireland and shopping centres. Yeah, it looks like that. We, we we could be parking up in a field on our own driveway ourselves, uh, Aaron, as well. We, uh, we have a secret location, Chris. We'll, we, we won't be stuck. We have a dance hall to go to. We'll be all right. So, Aaron, Charlie and me, um, where, or not so much where, but what's on this week? Right, today's video was a Q&A and part two of the roof light bar install that we had branded with Charlie and me. And I have to be honest, I was chuffed with the way that turned out. And the question and answers came in via email and Instagram and just generally chatting to people at the end of the videos. Friday's video, by the way, today's Wednesday video, I think, is the last Wednesday video. They only come out now, as far as I know, on a Friday from this Friday on. This Friday's video is trying to fit a very big inverter into a small space. It's about 20 minutes long, but it's a good video and I'm looking forward to watching it myself. That's Friday at nine o'clock YouTube, nine o'clock a.m. YouTube.com forward slash Charlie and camping vlog. Today I went and sorted out the insurance for the van. That's how finished or near completion it is. Tomorrow, Thursday, my friend Tommy is coming down to finish the woodwork. And when he's finished, the van is finished. I got the seats valeted from a local chap here in town. He valeted the seats for me. I put one in today. She's booked in for our NCT on Monday. Now that date might have to be changed, but all in all, hopefully tomorrow the build will be finished. But you guys won't see that for another eight weeks. You're going to be ready to go camp, and then once lockdown is over, you think you'll be using that? Um, you'll be using the the, the Bebo, as you call it, are more than your Heimer. No, not more than, well, well as, as much as, the, the b-ball is for me and Charlie when we go uh, reviewing campsites. So when the build is finished, I hope then to get a few bob together to get some Charlie and me branding on it. The first trip will be to the Glen of Aherlow and it will be whatever, if we're only put back to restriction to level three, we can go into county. I will be heading down to George and the Glen of Aherlow because that's where I go for all my firsts. It was the first place I bought Charlie, first place I brought, I brought Deirdre and it's the first place I try out the campers. Uh, I will be taking it out then. Wherever we're going re reviewing and Deirdre's not with us, like obviously our two weeks holidays, we'll be using the Heimer. But myself and Charlie will be taking the B-Bar out and about to review campsites. And you'll know we're there because at the moment it's a big, bright yellow Ford Transit. Yeah. And it will have, a, as I said, Charlie and me splattered across both sides in the back of it. But no, it, look, it, I'll be selling that next year. So there you go. Anybody looking? <laughs> Robbie, give me a shout. I'll have a two-bird <laughs> ambulance for sale in 20. 2022 um, so we're just going to hang on to it and get get a few videos out of it please god when restrictions lift and then but we will be using the heimer for our holidays 
and it's great that you can actually insure two of them as well. Um, so that that's that's really good. So we were talking a few episodes back about traveling with pets uh, abroad to Fran- France and Spain. Mm-hmm. So I put together a, a few tips and things you need to look out for. I also have some information from two of the ferry companies. So um, I suppose first on that list, I have is checking with your vet to make sure that your pet is up to date with all the right vaccinations for the country that you're traveling to. Yes, and also speaking of whatever country you're going to, be it France, Spain or wherever, check the restrictions on certain breeds of dogs that are allowed not only on campsites but into the country. You might just check with the campsite before you book as well because some sites might require a muzzle on your dog at all time and, you know, irrespective of whether you're or what breed of dog you have. Yes, and then when you are sailing, be it with Steneline or Irish Ferries or whoever you're sailing with, check what options they have. You might be able to get a dog-friendly cabin, which is what we had booked on Steneline. For longer trips, the cabins are great, but they've only got a limited number of dog-friendly cabins. Otherwise, you're going into one of their kennels. Yeah, before you travel, make sure you look up and store the local vet numbers, uh, you know, and also maybe hospital and doctor numbers for yourselves as well, just before you travel, just in case. So you have a you have it at hand if, if you need it in an emergency. Now, the first year we brought Charlie to France, we went through the UK because I couldn't get a dog friendly cabin and you can leave your pets in your motorhome from Dublin to the UK and then we drove across the UK and then the tunnel is only 30 minutes and we got we all stayed in the camper for that but when you're leaving if you're coming home to the UK you have to get your dog vaccinated again for rabies so whatever campsite you're staying on for the last day 48 hours before you leave you must get your pet vaccinated I'm not sure about cats but I am I do know about dogs we stayed in a campsite for three nights before we came home and it just so happened that the owner of the campsite was a vet so we went to the veterinary clinic the next day Charlie got his shots and then we came home again driving through the UK if you're coming home from mainland Europe straight into Ross Lair or Cork and not going through the UK, that shot is not necessary. But your dog must be tagged. You must make sure that they're chipped or at least have the tattoo. Yeah, just on Stena's page, they mentioned that they have absolute discretion whether they accept or refuse any passenger vehicle or the pets or, or luggage on board. And they did say on their website that they will not accept bookings for pets that are presented on the day of departure. So you can't just turn up. You have to let them know a time of booking. And they will also not allow pets on board if they don't have a valid EU pet passport or a veterinary certificate certifying the microchip identification for pet, they say for pets other than cats, dogs, and ferrets. Funnily enough, or for unaccompanied pets, they say as well. I don't know who'll be sending unaccompanied pets <laughs> on travels now, but there you go. Off you go, Charlie. You're old enough to go on your own. Me and Mammy are going to Kerry. Yeah. Irish ferries have procedures as well when you're travelling with your pets. For example, check-in time for passengers travelling with pets is at least two hours prior to your scheduled departure time of the ferry. Otherwise, you and your pet could be refused to travel. And you can ask staff to use the scanner just in case your pet is more comfortable with you doing the scanning rather than having a stranger come up alongside them to scan their chip. Yeah, and the Irish ferries, um, according to the webpage, charge kennel fees of 30 euros, 45 or 60 per animal per journey for travel. They said, this fee includes the use of a kennel or cat box on board and each animal must occupy a separate unit. 
yeah, pets are not allowed to remain in your car or travel on the passenger deck during the voyage. Guide dogs, of course, are excluded for that. And they say about um, for car passengers when travelling from Cherbourg Port, they say go to the terminal building before you go to the car check-in point so that they can check the micro the microchips. Now, some of them have different. I know with Stena, when you can walk your dog from the carport deck up to your cabin, but the dog must be wearing a muzzle. But I think Irish ferries, they say pets, all dogs and cats must be transported to and from the ferry in a secure, rigid and appropriate pet cargo box. Now, they say, please bring your own. So, OK, cat boxes. I can't see Charlie getting into a dog box, even for that short journey from I can't see me carrying Charlie from the the car deck up to your passenger, up to your cabin. So just again, check all these things out, which are ferries, which are ferry line before you make the booking. Uh, check with the campsite as well before you make the booking to make sure there aren't any rules uh, as well there. We were looking at going to France and Holland last summer, and I've got to be honest, there's quite a lot of campsites in Holland, but more than 50% of them were not dog friendly. And I was very surprised by that. When we, we have family in Holland, so we were getting them to check out local campsites near them so we could go visit them. And that was one of the main reasons why we were obviously going to Holland. But they came back to say that of seven campsites they checked, only two we're allowing dogs. So definitely do your homework before you go over. Or again, you're going to be staying in a few Aldi car parks or church car parks on a lot of holidays while you're over in France or Spain. So look, I hope that was a help to somebody kind of planning a trip or, or looking at going abroad with the pets. Uh, as you know, we're all animal lovers here uh, at the Camping Crew and we certainly would encourage kind of bringing your pet everywhere where you can. Um, so I think we'll move on now to the product section and with this week, we have another gadget from our regular uh, gadget contributor, Dennis. So thanks again, Dennis, for this one. This one, I think, is a fantastic little gadget. Mm -hmm. It is useful, very much useful, but maybe not completely necessary for everything, but definitely has features that the gadget fan, the electronic oh, gadget it's... fan, will absolutely yeah. love. So when you hear the, the list of features... <laughs> this is not necessary for any camper on this planet unless you're a gadget nerd and when Chris gives you the features you're going to say hmm I must look that up so this utility is called the auto so the autool a-u-t-o-o-l x95 gps speedometer miles per hour car inclinometer travel tilt gauge automotive replacement multi Gauge is vehicle angle sloper meter for off-road vehicles. Don't worry, Sorry. guys, I'll tweet this out. <laughs> it's a what, Chris? <laughs> yeah. If you look up on Amazon, Autool, A-U-T-O-O-L, X95 GPS, you'll find you'll it easily find enough. It. This is basically a little device that sits up on the dash of your motorhome. And the amount of information you get from this is brilliant. Listen to this for the, the, the feature list. So it shows a vehicle inclination. So if you're trying to level your vehicle on a campsite, it'll show it to you side to side and front and back, the vehicle pitch angle. Um, it tells you your current longitude and latitude coordinates. It has satellite positioning. It'll tell you your current altitude. It will also tell you how fast you're traveling. It's got a time display on it. Um, it shows you the number of positioning satellites it's connecting to, how long you've been driving for. So it'll have an incline angle alarm if you're going down kind of a dangerously steep hill. Might be too late by the time you realise that, but <laughs> there you go. And it's got an over speed alarm. 
So loads of information, different display. It's got like a, a graphic display on it, different display options uh, and everything with it. So it's a, a fantastic little yoke, but you know, maybe not completely necessary, but definitely for the, the gadget lover and the, someone who loves information and, and, and all about that, this is definitely the product. It's just and, lacking sat-nav, isn't it? Really, that's the only thing it's like. And you know what? It's not an ugly-looking dash-mounted item either. For all it does, it's not an ugly-looking dash-mounted product. Now, it comes with the cigarette lighter power or a USB power, so it does have to be mounted near a power source. Yeah, and price-wise, it's very reasonable. It's 41.99 according to Amazon.co.uk today. Um, so that's pretty reasonable for a, a, a very useful gadget. I have to be honest, when Dennis sent the link last week, I did log on, but I've got an aversion against ordering stuff now from the UK because of Brexit. Um, so I might see if it's available on one of the .de sites, maybe the Amazon, or if it's available on eBay. But I was impressed with it for that price, for, for £42 sterling. If it does what it says it does, that's a good that's a good gadget to have in your dash. And it wouldn't look out of place on the b-ball whatsoever. No, I think it'll be fine. I remember your old um, Heimer that you had before you had the one now, Aaron. Mm-hmm. I think you had one of those really long, deep dashes. Yes. And you had so many gadgets and things glued up on that dash. Uh, Felcro. They were Felcro. <laughs> it was before my days of Gary's glue. Yes, if it, it's 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 not ugly. Actually, you you can can you tweet a picture of that later on? Yeah, because it's not ugly, but it's well done. And Dennis, thank you for that. So you're searching for the AUT X95 be it on Amazon or eBay or wherever you buy your gadgets. And please do let us know if you buy one. I'm seriously thinking of getting one for the B-Bot because I'm impressed with how it looks. It's a neat little small package. As I said, it, it, it looks like, a, to me, looking at it, it looks like you're looking into a jet engine. Yeah. <laughs> it's got that kind of look to the front of it, that kind of shape. Yeah, it's not It's not a bad-looking machine. Do you know what I've just decided? If, if it's available, there you go. Okay, I've just got on to Amazon.de, <laughs> €50, euro, and a second version for €78. Euro. I don't like that. That one that we're talking about, the Autotool X95 GPS, it then goes in German, is €50. Euro. I'm going to commit. I'm going to get one. I'm going to order one. And I'll see if it's available from any Irish sites as well. If it is, uh, I'll share on that link too. Right. Let's move on to what used to be things we do while camping. It's now called things we do while not camping. What I'm trying to do is remind people of maintenance and taking care of the motorhomes and just things to keep you active and getting preparations for when we are all let loose. Um during the year there, I bought a Tetford seal lubricant to, to, to uh, I suppose, to, just to keep the seal on the toilet cassette um, going and lasting longer. And I want to use it on some of the window seals and that as well. So it's no harm to pick up a, a can of that from any of the Irish camping sites. They all have it. Um, and put some of that on the rubber bits of your motorhome, you know, the seals around the doors and windows. But just... Make sure that you read the instructions carefully on it to make sure that you're using it on the, the right types of, of rubber and you're using it properly as well. Right, okay. And it's called? Tetford Seal Lubricant. It's an or, sh- bright orange can. I'm sure there are other versions of it, but that's the one you have and you yeah. will let, you haven't used it yet. No, you, you're going to be so busy over the next couple of weekends. Uh, I know I've used that during the summer. We, I actually reviewed it on a, an earlier podcast as well, but just a little reminder, it was a bit of maintenance to do while your van is parked up. Right. Camping life. We're on the camping code and today is number four. 
Yeah, and very relevant to our conversation as well. The camping code number four is keep your dog on a lead on a campsite. The amount of times I've been on campsites and walk past reception and hear kind of people giving out or hearing stories of mm-hmm. dogs running loose on campsites uh, and that, you know, um, all of the campsites say, look, keep your dogs on lead. And it's not that your dog is dangerous. It's no. just that there are a lot of people who are frightened of dogs. So when they see a dog running up to them and the dog is probably running up to lick their faces and lick their mm-hmm. hands. But the person who's frightened of dogs doesn't necessarily know that. So they see a dog running out and it absolutely will terrify people, you know. So I suppose out of respect for your other campers, you make sure your dog is always kept on a, on a lead um, at all times. And look, uh, if you keep your dog walked regularly, uh, I think they'll be happy enough. What we have is the long extension tethers, which gives the dog a lot of free roaming around the motorhome as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been using that for years, even since my last dog, and Charlie loves it. Um, even, I mean, we, we do it when we're all camping together and we're sitting out in the gazebo, even with the dogs on our laps, they're tethered on the lead in our hand. And it's it's my pet hate, that and not scooping the poop. But today's camping code number four, we're just trying to encourage safer and better and happier camping time. So today's number four is keep your dog on a lead. So our name... You've been in a, a hot discussion on campsitereview.com this week. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I thought I'd throw this in there under Camping Life. And it's kind of a question, but there's an ongoing discussion on our sister forum, campsitereview.com. Click on the forum about CB radios. Did you have one in your younger days? I did, yeah. Back uh, when we were growing up, my dad had one uh, in the house. So we all had uh, handles. I was actually called a fox. That's who I was. Um, oh, I can see where that came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember getting um, stickers and and the the badges from all across the yeah. world. Oh, well, that was that was more like for for doing going up onto the USB and doing that was more than just your normal convoy breaker breaker driving around talking to the lads and You're talking about secure DX and getting yeah, DX cards from the, the furthest I ever got was Scotland from my DX card. But did you have, did your dad have one in the car? Did you ever have a CB radio in the car? <laughs> he did, yeah. He had one in the car. Big, Can big you remember what your dad's handle was? In the car. Um, yeah, he was, I think he was the Sundance kid or Sundance, oh. something like that. I hung around with a guy, uh, Pat Toulon, and his he was the nutcracker. And I thought that was a classic handle. And the first CB I ever used was in his car. And it was a big President AR247. It was a 240 channel. And somebody said, what's your handle, good buddy? And it was snowing. It was nighttime. And I went with the White Knight. But I went with the K-N-I-G-H-T. Then we had the Empire Breakers Club in our hometown in Lucan. And we did it. My dad, my dad, God be good, was an engineer, an electronics engineer. And he made me a CB radio power pack for my bike and oh, I God. used to pedal around Lucan with a magnetic aerial on my carrier with a sheet of metal under it and two batteries out of an alarm unit two little six volt batteries on both sides of my pannier bags and I had my 40 channel mounted on the handlebars and oh when I think of it now I must have been a right dweeb but anyway there's a discussion ongoing on campsitereview.com who has CBs in their motorhomes? Now, I've seen one or two, and one or two of the guys are planning on. Now, I have two 40-channel CBs out in the shed, and I'm seriously thinking of sticking one into the B-Bar. I wouldn't put it in the Heimer, but I might put one. There's an, an array of aerials. There's eight aerials on the roof. I'm sure I could make one of them work for the CB. So I'm asking you guys out there, 
Have you ever been? Do you still have? Or would you consider putting a CB radio back into your motorhome or into your motorhome? We'll give you the contact details in a couple of minutes and let us yeah, know. Would yeah. you think of putting one in? Uh, I, I probably not. No, I don't think so. Just with all the WhatsApps and everything now, my, my, my brain is struggling to cope with all of that. My biggest... Um, memory of having the CB in those days was having the neighbours coming and complaining to us for uh, interfering with their television signals as well. I w- I'm sure they probably have that sorted at this stage, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they worked on a frequency of 27.4 megahertz or something, and televisions were working on 23 to 29. So yeah, if you had any way a little bit of power, you could come in on the neighbours' uh, RTE news or whatever. So look, we'll give you the contact details now because that just about wraps up episode 98 of the podcast. Again, we want to remind you, if you would like to take part in uh, some kind of Skypey or Zoomy type uh, live Q&A for our 100 episode, please do get in touch. If you'd like stickers for your motorhome, your camper vans, your caravans, can I just throw in a big thank you to our friends at Motorhome Crack because I received another batch of Camping Crew stickers today. Thanks for that, guys. They, they support us and supply us with our stickers. They are available free of charge. All we need is your name, address, and your postcode. But for you to get that to us, you'll have to talk to contact Chris. You can email us. Email address is campingcrewpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter. We're at The Camping Crew. On Instagram, we're at The Camping Crew Podcast. On Facebook, you'll find us in all the good motorhome and camping groups. Um, Forum-wise, you'll find us on motorhomecrack.com, campsitereview.com or boards.ie. And of course, campsitereview.com is a free form and it will remain that way for you to log on and have your say and review campsites or products or talk about CB radios or anything. Just join it for free and have a look. And every Wednesday for the moment and every Friday, 9am, youtube.com forward slash Charlie and me, our camping vlog. And hopefully we'll get back reviewing campsites very, very soon. That wraps up 98. If you want to take part in episode 100, it's Camping Crew Podcast at gmail.com. From me, Aaron Birchall. Hope to see you on a campsite very soon. Until then, stay safe. Yeah, and it's goodbye for me, Chris. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please uh, don't forget to subscribe and tell your camping friends all about us. Well, that's it for another podcast from the Camping Crew. Thanks for listening and do join us again very soon. Safe camping. Mm-hmm.